Hello and welcome to a special episode of True Hope Cast. In today's episode, VP of True Hope Canada, Mr. David Stephan, and constitutional lawyer Sean Buckley deeply dive into Health Canada's attempt to remove Canadians' access to natural health products. David and Sean discuss the dark history of Health Canada's dangerous tactics that have directly resulted in the death of many Canadians and what actions you can take today to protect your access to life-saving natural health products. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, Rumble and Twitter. Enjoy the show. All right. We are live. Um, for everybody watching, you probably know who I am. Uh, you're probably uh, watching this from from my Facebook feed, David Steppen. And today we have uh, an awesome guest on board, um, a guest that uh, our journeys uh, in life have crossed paths uh, over the past two decades numerous times. And his name is Sean Buckley. Um, he's a lawyer, and uh, I know he's a lawyer personally, and we'll get into that story in a bit here because uh, I've spent uh, a considerable amount of time within courtrooms over the past two decades with Sean Buckley. And today we have Mon because there is something going on in Canada where we are seeing at risk the removal of natural health products, which many of you have an interest in. Many of you who have followed me over the years have a, have a real interest in natural health. Um, many of you have had issues with allopathic medicine. Um, and so, there's a major issue going on in Canada right now, and Sean Buckley is currently spearheading uh, a movement to help restore our rights to natural health products, as well as alarm people or alert people to the risk that's currently going on so that meaningful action can take place. Sean, thank you for coming on today. Um, I don't know if that, that, uh, that intro did justice, but here we are. Um, oh, David, it, it's just, it's just a pleasure. <laughs> so, and it's just a pleasure to see you again. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. I know that you've been really busy lately. Um, I understand you've been doing numerous podcasts, um, a day even, uh, with, with all of this going on that you've been quite busy, um, educating, uh, Canadians abroad as to what's going on and that action has to take place in order to ensure that we have access to meaningful, helpful, life-saving um, natural health products that the majority of Canadians have come to rely on um, over the decades. So do you want to, uh, you know, kind of fill us in uh, a little bit as to to what's going on? Sure, sure. So, um, and just so your, your listeners understand, um, I've been dealing with Health Canada as a lawyer since 1994. And, you know, many, many years of that practice, you know, half or more of my practice was occupied with basically protecting our access to natural products. And I, you know, I understand them. And if you want to know what somebody's intention is, you look at their actions over a period of time. So you just ignore what they say and you look at their actions over a period of time. And it, it's been clear to me for a long, long time that Health Canada's end goal is basically to put us into a European model where we don't have access to meaningful natural products that, you know, are effective. So that, you know, save lives or, you know, people that are really suffering alleviates those sufferings. And so the goal is, is to put us squarely into a pharmaceutical model. 
Now, the problem Health Canada has had is just over the years, Canadians have rebelled against various attempts. So, you know, like 97, 98, there was a big citizen rebellion. And the health minister at the time, Alan Rock, backed down. Actually, on the eve of a lawsuit, dealing with cost recovery of all things. And here we are dealing with cost recovery again. Um, <clears throat> now, like 25 years later, the exact same issue that people got really excited about back then. And then again, in 2008, there was a huge citizen rebellion. And some of your listeners will remember the Bill C-51 fight. Like, so, you know, so the generation of us in the natural health community in 2008, you say Bill C-51, they know exactly what you're talking about. And what Bill C-51 was, is it was this set of really harsh draconian penalties um, that literally wouldn't, wouldn't punish the natural health community or any practitioner or company. It would destroy. And they're meant to destroy, not punish. And, you know, it's, I even forget, you know, who I was on. Oh, I was on a, a, a National Citizens Inquiry. Um, um, I won't call it a podcast, but, you know, we were calling evidence virtually with uh, Dr. Denis Rancourt, who was kind of updating us on the Canadian statistics for all-cause mortality. And he was saying, I think it was Denis Rancourt was saying, you know, when the penalties get too strict, and this might have been in a private conversation that wasn't, but when the penalties get too strict, you really are in tyranny because then you can't resist. And tyranny is just absolute discretion, right? So where the government can just say, jump, and you have to say how high. So, but you can't resist. And that's that's why we rebelled back in 2008. It's like you can't give Health Canada literally godlike powers. And right, and also um, powers to just order you to do anything. So if they wanted to destroy a company, they could order you to do like this really expensive and unnecessary testing. They could order you to run a double-blind clinical trial, even though, like, why would you do that? Even if you didn't have the product on the market or said, well, I'll just withdraw. No, it doesn't matter. And if you don't, every day you don't comply, $5 million fine. Like, per, like it's just, it, it was crazy. So we rebelled against that. But today, here we are exactly in the same place. So Health Canada just actually imposed those powers. And it's interesting, David, how they did it. So I mean, I got a call two weeks ago from somebody high up in the natural health industry who said, you know, people in the bureaucracy, like high up, they still remember that Bill C-51 fight. Like, it's legendary. The government knows and Health Canada knows Canadians didn't want those powers imposed on natural health products. So what did Health Canada do? They snuck it into the budget bill. Mm -hmm. So Bill C-47, the 2023 budget, sections 500 to 504, basically imposed those powers and penalties on the natural health product community. And that budget bills pass quickly. They don't go to the standing committee on health, which would know, wait a second, this is crazy. Let's not do this. And so now it's already become law. So they basically pulled a fast one on us thinking that everyone would just accept it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you know, we're not going to accept it. We're, we're going to start another citizens rebellion. And we're going to get that clawed back and we're going to get cost recovery stopped and we're going to get deregulation of natural health products. Nice. Like we're not, we're not touch on that. Still. we're going to get the charter of health freedom passed. So it, I mean, this is time, like this is do or die. Um, because we're in a milieu where this is now part of harmonization with other countries, 
so and you know we're going to find ourselves in very short time basically under they're not calling it a treaty but it's a treaty where you know in certain situations the world health organization can even direct our health policy <clears throat> we're like this is the brave new world that we've all known was coming where we would have international harmonization and so and that's why i call it the european model is they are ahead of us so like in small communities there won't even be health food stores and you know in a big community when you do find one you know you've got your vitamins and minerals you know with doses that are really non-therapeutic um, but not a lot of other products and then what are your practitioners going to do so that's kind of what's happening on right. the ground so <clears throat> it's kind of time where we we have no choice if we're going to have the right to choose how we're going to treat ourselves when we're sick. We're stand up now where we're going to lose it forever. So we've seen this in other nations like you're saying European. Um, I know back, you know, during Bill C-51, um, which I want to touch a little bit more on um, so that people recognize, you know, the, the patterns that have emerged with Health Canada's actions. But during Bill C-51, True Hope, um, at that point in time, we'd already had a history for about uh, four or five years uh, with, with you, you representing us in, in court. And I recall using Australia as the the um, example of where we were going. And that at that point in time, and I'm not sure if they've had a major health reform or whatnot, and, and I doubt it, but back then we were utilizing news clips that were showing how uh, health food store shelves had become barren. Literally, they—I mean—they had all the—they had all this infrastructure to house these products, to sell them, to to merchandise them, and now they don't have the products to put on the shelves. They just weren't available, and so we have these examples of what overregulation will do to this particular industry or community, and we see who benefits at the end of the day from these regulations, and it's not—it's not the consumers. It's not the natural health community. Ultimately, this is about protecting the bottom line profits of the pharmaceutical industry, because really the natural health community is is the biggest well, competition. Yeah, but I mean, even let's just kind of speak philosophically and ethically. So, <clears throat> what people have to understand is 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 there's there's a problem even with the foundation of our drug laws. So in Canada, our drug laws, the Food and Drug Act and drug regulations, and the premise is, so the starting point is anything for a therapeutic purpose is illegal. So, you know, David, if you and I went, you know, hiking on a hot day outside of Kamloops and, you know, we're trying to make our way back and it's scorching hot and you didn't bring enough water and I offer you some of my, like, David, you're dehydrated here, have some water. I've just broken the law because I've offered water for therapeutic purpose and <clears throat> which is just craziness, right? Now that premise might be acceptable and, and I actually agree with it when you're dealing with novel chemicals that have never been introduced into the human body before. Yeah, we should presume that those, those you can't just sell them at, like, you know, without showing they're safe and effective first. But when we're talking about things in our food supply, that you know we eat regularly, <clears throat> this becomes a fundamental problem. And it's totally inappropriate for the natural health product industry at all, which has, you know, 
for practical purposes, zero risk. And I'll, I'll go into that a little later. And where the real risk is, is restricting them. And, and we can use True Hope as an example. So, so we're in this situation where, you know, all products are illegal and then basically exemptions are granted in the form of a license. So you have to apply to Health Canada to get a license and Health Canada will say, well, you have to, you know, prove it's relatively safe and you have to prove that it works for the purpose for which you want to approve it. Now, the process, if you want to use something for a serious health condition is called the new drug approval process. Oh, I bet you it's been a, a good decade since I've had an expert on the stand. So they're under oath. And I asked like, what does it cost to get through the new drug approval process? But the last time I asked an expert who knew it was like, well, you know, like a billion dollars. Well, what that means is, is only products that have a patent with a good, you know, long patent life left ever go through that process. So in my lifetime, I think there's only been one drug off patent that's gone through the process and it was sponsored by government. So the reality is, is the the effect of our drug law is is to treat a serious health condition it is illegal to use anything but a chemical that had a patent that's the effect now if you were going to say let's develop a law to have good health outcomes you wouldn't start with the position well okay we're only going to use chemicals that have patents and we'll actually when we're approving a chemical not take any consideration into whether it's like doesn't work as well as something we've already approved and is more dangerous. We'll never do a comparison with other options. Mm -hmm. We'll just go through this blindly. But the the purpose of the drug laws are to protect intellectual property rights. They're not to protect health. So if you look in the Food and Drug Act or drug regulations, and I challenge you, you find anywhere where there's a duty on Health Canada to protect our health or to protect any part of the public interest. It's not there. And uh, David, you know, so, you know, when True Hope was charged criminally and I was acting as their counsel to defend them, um, and you reminded me, I think the, the Health Canada inspector's name was Sandra Jarvis. And so Sandra Jarvis is on the stand. And as a lawyer, um, sometimes you're wanting to set up the witness into a box where they have to answer, you know, yes to a, a question. But you'll you'll ask them a whole bunch of other questions beforehand to kind of construct the box so they can't get out. And so I'm doing this with her. And so you're asking questions. You're expecting them to agree with you. And one of the questions I had was something like, you know, well, as a Health Canada inspector, you're there to protect our health. And I'm expecting a yes. And she won't give me a yes. And I, you know, I, I actually clearly remember, like when this happens to you, when the, you're the lawyer up there, you have to keep your poker face and, and pretend like <laughs> that's the question you or answer you were expecting. But I kept trying to circle around and get her to say yes. And finally, she explained, no, we're not, we're not, Health Canada is not there to protect your health. Health Canada is there to enforce the Food and Drug Act and regulations. So, you know, and, and remember, I just told you, there's no nothing in the Food Drug Act and regulations to protect health or to get good health outcomes. It's not there. 
So Health Canada, despite all their public messaging and even their name, you know, their name is totally Orwellian, but they're there to enforce the Food and Drug Act and regulations. They're not there to protect our health. And, you know, most of their budget comes from charging the chemical drug companies fees to get through this licensing process. We also have a, a conflict of interest. They exist because they charge the chemical drug companies large fees. No. So just, I mean, even without thinking anything nefarious, although that wouldn't be inappropriate in this case, just common human nature, you're going to favor, you know, where you're the person or groups that, that butter your bread, so to speak. Yeah. In essence, they're being, they're being funded by, by big pharma. I want to, I want to circle back to real, real quickly here <clears throat> about, about the court case. And I'm, I want to provide a little bit of, of context to that as well, uh, because a lot of the viewers here um, may not have been really in touch with, um, you know, the natural health industry and what what, they, what we were going through and what we were really at the forefront of uh, back, you know, in early 2000s, um, which many people that were aware of it, uh, you know, if we were to fast forward to my personal court case with my wife and I over the death of my son and, and the manufactured case that took place out of that for a nefarious agenda. Many people say, oh, that it's it's a continuation of a vendetta that the government has against you and your family. And so before getting into the context, though, I want to highlight uh, the seriousness of it. You categorized what uh, how you'd box Sandra Jarvis in and, and how basically she came out clear that no, as a uh, Health Canada inspector, it's not our job to, to ensure that the health of Canadians is really being um, protected. However you boxed it in, and I can't recall exactly word for word, but we, we do have the uh, portions of the transcript from that court case up on healthcanadaexposed.com, where we literally expose you know, their, their, uh, their dangerous criminal acts. And, and I'll say that uh, because they are criminal, um, because... When you had set her up in that box, I believe that you had already had, um, at that point in time, perhaps Ron Lejeunez had already been on the stand. Uh, no, 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 yeah. because she's part of the Crown's case. So we right. don't get to call any evidence until the, the Crown's case is finished. And, okay. you know, I, I also just thought of the 1-800-CRISIS line notes. So, like, if you're trying to suggest that she would have an understanding that what they were doing was harmful at the time. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. So if you recall, um, and maybe we'll just give your, your viewer some context. I know I'm assuming because this is a true hope show, they understand that EM power plus was created to treat bipolar disorder. And, and especially early on, I mean, the people that were on the protocol and being managed, like they were the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. and, and it was largely word of mouth that that was happening. We're talking about people that would be involuntarily committed regularly to psychiatric wards. Yeah, right. And, and that cohort of people has a very short lifespan. I think it's an, an expected five years from when you start becoming that severe. Right. We were so, working with, with, you know, basically psychiatric outcasts that, that the medical system couldn't. That all the approved drugs did not work for Exactly. And they weren't calling us true hope. Oftentimes they were calling us their last hope, meaning that we were at the, they were at the end of the rope and they were de <clears throat> desperate to try anything. And 
So that's how they, they came in contact with us. And as you say, word of mouth at this point in time, the only thing that was really propelling our business was the fact that Discovery Health had put out in September of 20, or 2002, a full length documentary that they pushed into 50 different countries and translated into multiple languages. And so that was really how the information was getting out there that there was these supplements that were correcting um, bipolar and other mental health conditions. Right, right. So, but the point I was trying to make is, is that at the time we're talking about when Health Canada went after True Hope, I mean, <clears throat> a large percentage of the people interacting with True Hope, it's life and death for them. It is life and death. They, are, they were serving a death sentence and they come across EM Power Plus <clears throat> and they get well, because you and I know if it's, if it's going to work and it works, you know, 80% of the time, like it's like a light switch goes off and you're not sick anymore. So they go out in their lives back. And I mean, I, I can tell your viewers, I mean, I called several of them to the stand during this court case. And I mean, there was just no question they were serving a death sentence and, you know, disabled, couldn't work, couldn't go to school. And then they're normal people again. So um, and every single one of these people, whether I put them on the stand or they were people I interviewed as potential witnesses, what caught me off guard, David, because I didn't have it in my list of questions. It didn't even occur to me to ask. But 100% of the people I interviewed as potential witnesses that had been on, you know, using EMPower Plus to manage a serious health condition, 100% of them explained to me they had a suicide plan, that if they were going to, if they, they were going to kill themselves before they ran out of product because they were not willing to go back to the life they had before. And I wasn't ready for that because I didn't understand that what they were experiencing when they were not well was just so awful and so hard to take. And it so, it so explains why they're suicidal mm -hmm. and their lifespans are so short. So, I mean, this, this was totally life and death, but remember um, there were letters and letters and letters and calls. So what happened was, is the, and this is for your viewers. I know you know this, David, but um, the products manufactured in the United States, or was back then, and it was shipped across the border. So Health Canada tells True, if we, you have to stop selling, you don't have a license. Let's ignore that back then you couldn't get a license. Every health product in every health food store didn't have a license. So why are you sing, singling out? Like there's probably 80,000 products on the market, and you're picking one and saying you have to stop selling because you don't have a license. And True Hope wouldn't because they knew a whole bunch of people would die. And they're seeing this, but doctors and psychiatrists and, you know, people whose lives depend on it, they're writing and calling. And that was all documented. Like Health Canada knew there would be a bloodbath if True Hope complied and took the product off the market. Right. And their paperwork, I think you had, you had uh, received their paperwork through an ETI, access to information or something like that. No, it was just, it was the, the regular disclosure. But I do want to get to the 1-800 crisis notes. Yeah. Because, but, and the point was, is, is Sandra Jarvis, she would know this as an inspector. Yes. And, and like, so people were so excited inspectors would get called. So for Health Canada to pretend that they didn't know that their actions were putting people in danger is outrageous. Mm -hmm. And then so, so many people are calling the minister's office to complain about this. 
that that we find that the minister's office so they set up they called it the 1-800 crisis line and publicly they announced this and the public messaging was you know well a whole bunch of people you know have these questions and they're fragile and so we've set up a professional line with you know experienced counselors to help them and so the public messaging was as you think oh like the public would go is this ever kind of health canada well, we find out through disclosure. No, they were just annoyed and with the number of calls. So they set this up. So if you called the minister's office, as soon as you mentioned Truo for Empower Plus, they would press a button and you're transferred to here. <clears throat> so it was so that they wouldn't have to talk to you. But these people took notes. And what, like, wasn't there like 800 pages of notes or something like my, that? Yeah, no, my recollection is that there was over a thousand calls that had been been lodged. And so, so then it'd be over 800 pages. Like, it's just, I mean, yeah. I remember it was a, it was a crazy, and well, these and are remember, just, well, people you remember, pleading, you remember pleading, that they weren't willing to disclose those notes. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the story. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so, but these are, these are like, these are notes of literally, you cannot read the notes. You have to stop. You, you have to take days off because it's people pleading for their lives and being ignored. So, yeah, we knew these notes existed from some disclosure prior to trial. And at pretrial conferences, we were asking for the notes, asking for the notes, and we're getting them. So when the trial started, I let the judge know, well, you know, I haven't, I haven't gotten these. And, I, you know, I better get them before the trial ends and, you know, with the opportunity to go through them and, and respond. <clears throat> you know, in fact, in retrospect, we should have just asked for an adjournment before. Um, but everyone's anxious to get this done and we have witnesses coming literally from all around North America. And so it's, you know, when we had a good case, so we thought let's run it, right? But the Crown, you know, well, I'll look into it. And then day two, you know, we raise it again and, you know, I'll look into it. And I, and I forget now if it was day three or day four. Um, but the, uh, the crown came up with a new word and said, um, explain to the court, well, they were in, I think, you know, a deputy minister's office or, you know, some high official. And then that person, um, changed, you know, bureaucracies within the federal government and nobody knows where these notes went. And so they were undiscoverable, a new word. I don't think it's made its way into the dictionary, but <clears throat> hopefully soon. So these were undiscoverable documents. And the judge went ballistic on the crown and said, you know, if if uh, the defense doesn't have them, um, you know, well in advance of the close of the trial, that, you know, he would entertain a motion to, to dismiss. Um, <clears throat> so magically, before the day is out, we learned that these undiscoverable documents have been found. And as you know, the court day was proceeding, um, we're being faxed from Ottawa to the Department of Justice and that we would have them delivered to us, you know, that evening. So um, it's funny how a judge getting mad can get documents that have been searched for for months mm -hmm. um, discovered. <clears throat> so um, what a coincidence, like a surprising, like, just that they would find them, you know, within a couple of hours of the judge getting mad and saying, you know, I'd entertain a, a motion to dismiss. It was truly good fortune for the Crown that, right. uh, you know, wherever they were, somebody looked for the first time and found them. 
So it, it's I interesting. I tried to say that with a straight face. <laughs> Well, and I remember that. I remember that. I mean, I was obviously a lot younger then. <clears throat> um, played a much different role in True Hope at the time. and uh, But I was, you know, attendant for the court case uh, for basically the entirety of it. And it was really interesting to see that, uh, you know, you know, your recollection coincides exactly with, with mine, where in the morning, you know, this, this discussion comes up. And then, yeah, the, later that day, all of a sudden, you have these documents and we're heading off to the printer and I think we're making multiple copies of them and stuff like that so that everybody can go through and start highlighting. Yeah. I remember there's a big rush surrounding the, the process of, of um, these documents. If I'm remembering that, remembering that part correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to just nail on, on this though, real quickly. So people understand the criminal nature and, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not being, um, you know, I'm not over exaggerating or any, anything here. The criminal nature of the actions of Health Canada, um, because yes, it was well known that there was a crisis, hence why they set up a crisis line, a crisis of their own creation over a multivitamin that they were saying you need a drug identification number for, but they weren't willing to give a drug identification number to a multivitamin to you know get to pass or to. Well, they're still to... they're still not. <clears throat> right. I mean, so you guys are licensed. For what? What's the label claim? Supports mental health and well-being, if I recall correctly. But yeah, nutritional support for mental and physical well-being. That's yeah, it. Like, so, Super so what the that? And uh, and I know that uh, you know Tony Stefan was told, and I forget who the head of the NHPD was at the time, that they no. know your product, they know the product works, but there's no way they would ever approve it to treat <clears throat> bipolar disorder. Yeah. So I mean. They know it, but just just so your viewers understand. So here, you know, they had advance notice before they started restricting it at the border from psychiatrists and doctors and people themselves who relied on it or family members on their behalf. It was clear message. There's going to be deaths. There, there are going to be deaths. Don't do this. Now, can you imagine you're in a job? And you're about to do something that's going to lead to people's deaths? Yes. Like, in any other context, you're charged with homicide. Like, you, you can't even claim willful blindness. You have all this communication. And then once you start restricting the product and people are going ballistic, you're having professional counselors document, you know, like you say, if there's a 1,000 calls, there's got to be 2,000 pages plus. So thousands of pages of people pleading for their lives. And then let's not forget the Canadian Mental Health Association, which every time there was a suicide, Ron Lajeunesse, the, the Alberta branch president, would hold a press conference to try and shame the government and Health Canada into relenting about the deaths. Right. And he testified, uh, you know, under oath during that trial that he was aware personally of two deaths personally of people that he knew personally where they had committed suicide based on what health Canada had done in restricting access to the empire plus. And, and, and this was again, like, so remember I said, when I was preparing witnesses, a hundred percent of them said they had a suicide plan in place. So before they got sick again, they would kill themselves. And yes. then you have the danger they get sick. So, and I don't recall in those two cases, which it was with Mr. Lajeunesse, but he went to more than two funerals. So those are just two where he personally knew the people, mm -hmm. but he went to other funerals of people that the Canadian Mental Health Association were clear 
um, were dead because Health Canada was restricting EM Power Plus. And yeah. again, so I mean, if <clears throat> if you need to understand the mindset, this was about protecting intellectual property rights. It had nothing at all to do with health. Right. C clearly. And, and just hang no on a second. Yep. So I forget the numbers, but there was a large number of people that fell off of the True Hope database and never returned. That's and correct. we have to assume those people died. Yeah. So, I mean, so were there 500 deaths? Were there 1,000 deaths? How many deaths were caused by Health Canada for restricting this single product for a short period of time? Yep. Okay, so now we're talking risk. And and I think this is important when we're talking about Health Canada taking products off the market, because what Health Canada does, and, you know, in this recent Auditor General's report that Health Canada is using to help justify their actions, is they assume that natural health products are risky. In fact, earlier on to support, so this self-care framework that this is a part of, <clears throat> started in 2017 and where health canada toured the country basically putting on a slideshow and explaining well we're going to do a b c d and e and it's non-negotiable and this is the order we're doing it and by the way they're following that order to a t and so i can talk about some other things coming down the pipe and we can be confident they're coming down the pipe because they're doing exactly what they said they would do in the order they said they would do it <clears throat> but one of the justifications in 2017, like right now they're relying on the Auditor General's report. Right. But back then they created this new, this new meme called failed efficacy. So what their concern is, is that, well, the assumption is natural health products don't work. They're tr that, that's their, their PR reality. They don't come out and say it, but failed efficacy, well, people will treat themselves with a natural health product for a serious health condition and they're delaying getting proper treatment the word proper there and that puts them at risk so they're not seeking the medical doctor and the chemical pharmaceuticals proper treatment so there's the risk of failed efficacy mm -hmm. i mean so <clears throat> there's this pr assumption that natural health products don't work and isn't that funny you know that here we're on a true broadcast where <clears throat> You know, like, are there, you know, half a million people that are only alive today because of a vitamin mineral supplement after they tried all the approved treatments and they didn't work? Yeah, exactly. And so, after the first the point, study came out showing over three times more efficacy with vitamins and minerals, you know, in the proper balance and, and bioavailable, you know, form, th over three times more effective than your antidepressants. Go figure. Yeah, well, I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> surprised about that. And that may not be a very good comparison when you realize how ineffective they are. But back to risk. So <clears throat> they just assume that there's no benefit. And here we've just discussed a court case where actually the court found in their oral reasons that there would have been more deaths if True Hope had listened to Health Canada, not in their written reasons, in the oral reasons. Yeah. So so we have this situation where just using true Hope as an example there were a large number of deaths and a great number of people that were only alive because they didn't run out because 
they form smuggling rings across the country and things like that to, to prevent that. <clears throat> so what you have to understand is, is when you're doing a risk analysis, you look at, well, what's the risk of removing something from the market also? But Health Canada never does that with natural health products. And I mean, I could give other examples where mm -hmm. thousands of people were only alive because of a single natural health product. So, but what Health Canada does and the Auditor General does and any other government agency or pressure group or the mainstream media is they'll try and find a bad case. And like, ooh, this is scary, look, be afraid, be afraid, risk, 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 mm -hmm. without ever asking, well, what's the risk of removing it from the market? And then also without giving you any comparison. So <clears throat> just even ignore natural health products and what's happening is whenever the government's telling you you're at risk, you have to somehow find out, well, what statistically actually is that risk? Like out of a million Canadians, how many of us are going to die from this and then compare it with other risks per million Canadians. So, and when we do that with natural health products, we find that, uh, let me use peanut butter as an example. So peanut butter kills a number of Canadians every year. It, it's a fact. And, you know, the worst part is, is a number of those Canadians that are killed are our most vulnerable, like kids. They, they eat peanut butter and they have, you know, a, a, an allergic reaction and they die. And <clears throat> there's even a larger number that don't die, but they're hospitalized and they need serious medical intervention to stay alive for a period of time until they get through it. And so we have all that trauma, both for them and their families with that experience. Um, and, you know, what, what flows from that down the road. But <clears throat> the entire natural health product industry, I mean, I've never seen a, a credible report where we can say, oh, no, this is a death caused by a natural health product. Although, <clears throat> and now it is a little dated. I, I'm guessing maybe it's about 12 years ago I did an access to information request to Health Canada because I wanted to know, well, how many deaths have been caused by a natural health product in all of our history? Like, let's have if we, the broader, broader time range we're looking at something, the better idea we have of risk. So <clears throat> I did an access to information request and I said, you know, well, Canada, we, Confederation was 1867. So since 1867 to, you know, the time of the request, please provide to me, you know, all information you have of deaths caused by a natural health product as that term's defined in our natural health product regulations, which is a really broad definition. I mean, it's everything you find in a health food store. And Health Canada got back to me and said, well, come on, we can't go back to 1867. But in 1965, we started a rather robust adverse reaction reporting system in response to the thalidomide disaster. And so we have pretty good records from 1965 so if you'll amend your request to 1965 to the present, uh, I said, sure, hard at it. And they couldn't show me a single death that they have documented caused by a natural health product. Now, I know since then I've you know heard circulating in the media and the scaremongering that there have been some deaths, which is interesting that you know there wouldn't be since 1965. But all of a sudden, when they have to be trying to turn the public support for natural products away and they do that by trying to scare us that we have some reports 
but even let's say there <clears throat> there have been deaths and and let's and that's a reasonable assumption i mean not every death gets reported to the adverse reaction database and we're talking about such a large number of products that let's assume there that there there have been deaths like that's that's not an unreasonable position to take but the point is there's so few we can't point to any realistically exactly. and or even if we can, if we can only point to a handful which would mean back to the peanut butter example because remember you have to compare mm -hmm. likelihood <clears throat> so peanut butter causes i don't know like 50 100 deaths a year in canada um, it, there, it's actually hard to tabulate because the provinces do it differently and they don't all make it into stats can. Right. But let's say it's 50 a year. So it would mean one year of peanut butter use in Canada, one year is more dangerous than all of our history with natural products. Yep. And not a single one of us would give up our right to choose to access natural health products to protect us from the risk of peanut butter. Not a single one of us would give up that right. Mm -hmm. So, so why are we giving up our right to treat ourselves when we're sick? And this is more serious than just these powers being imposed. So, Health Canada is also bringing in cost recovery. So, they're they're right now natural health product companies do not pay for site licensing and. But let's and not go there yet. Let's not go there quite yet. Okay, because I was just the point I was going to make is we're going to lose our natural health practitioners. But as long as we get to that, because that yeah, let's, let's get back there about the impact this is going to have on the whole natural health community or industry and and what this means to people. Um, but before doing so, you know when we're taking a look at this and you're, you're you're trying to you know create a risk benefit assessment on it that even if there was a few deaths, right? And 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 you have some people out there one death is too many. But you have to balance that on how many lives are saved every year. Balance really, the, the scales are so tipped in, 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 in reality that this is, you know, prolonging people's lives, you know, using natural supplements. It's improving their quality of lives. And in many instances, it's actually life saving. And we hear that so often in, in the sector that we're in, where we're helping people with mental health conditions, where we literally have people come in saying, you know, you saved my life. Right. We hear about you've saved my marriage, you well, know, whatever. But. but even more importantly, like so let's say that the reality was there they were, were way more risky than they are. There's still a fundamental philosophical ethical problem. So so, David, let's say you're one of these people that, you know, rapid cycling, severe bipolar disorder, you're getting involuntarily committed to the psych wards. They're. And you, and you have tried every approved chemical drug mm -hmm. and you know, and your life is, is literally a living hell. Like you have no quality of life. I, and, and like, I still can't get my head around a hundred percent of people that had found relief with the empower plus that I interviewed, you know, preparing for that trial that hundred percent had suicide plans because they wouldn't go back. Like, I can't conceive what their lives were like. <clears throat> so even if there was risk, you mean you're telling me they we don't have the right to choose? And Truob was being perfectly honest with the amount of research they had and didn't have. But mm -hmm. you mean, <clears throat> like, so my point, I'm all for, you know, you have to share all the information you have 
even if it's none. Like what about at the very beginning when it was the quad program with Tony and David and they, Ian Power Plus didn't even exist yet because they they hadn't run into the problem where you needed a consistent product. Right. And and then even when the, you know the first product was made, it's like people knew they were the research. Right. Yeah. Well, we have this anecdotal evidence. It's helped this person, this person, this person. I mean, you're coming to us asking if you can do it. <clears throat> and yes, but you have to be filling in these questionnaires and be managed because we're trying to compile the data. Like they exactly. were perfectly honest. Can't can't a consenting adult, desperate or not, have don't we have the right to make that choice? But Health Canada, when they're over-regulating these products, like we've had, you know, they they the product doesn't exist, then you don't have the choice. Exactly. And and that was the thing is that people knew that, first of all, is their last hope they're willing to try anything. They'd heard something about what we were doing and they were coming to us. And then when the first study came out, and, and this is going to segue into a video clip here real quick, uh, just to give some, some real context to understand what we're looking at here, like what the reality of this is. But it's actually going to be even worse because we're in, you know, uncharted territory here now in, in, in Canada, at least. I mean, other other nations have gone through this, but you know we know where where that that goes. Um, but when the first study finally comes out in October of 2000, and it's groundbreaking, and it makes national news, and CTV National News covers it, and interviews my father and all that, that now sets off this whole chain of events that leads to what this video is is gonna gonna show that you're gonna be able to you know, on the tail end, say yes, and this is where I fit in and, and what, what took place in relation to the court proceedings. And then let's fast forward as to where we are today here. But I'm going to add that video right now um, here. And so we get to sit back and watch for a couple minutes. In Alberta, Empower Plus has been helping Canadians with a mental illness known as bipolar disease, manic depressive. Tremendous cost to the individuals, a high risk of suicide. It felt like I was somewhere standing watching myself while I was here just bursting and like a volcano all mad. This has brought me to recognize a new me and um, has allowed me to become, you know, a new, a new person. Province of Alberta, when they heard about the effect that Empower Plus was having on Albertans, they said, why don't we look into this? There's huge costs associated with it. And Mr. Speaker, they set up a $544,000 study. The decrease in their symptoms is of a magnitude that is, is very impressive. Any medication that ever had this effect would catch a lot of people's attention. Health Canada hears about this and moves in to shut down the study. Shame, shame. Mr. Speaker, I mean, is there no room for science to progress the treatment of disease? I know that for a decade before this supplement, uh, I, I made over a dozen suicide attempts and I really am lucky to be standing before you today. Um. They sent the police in to raid this little company in Raymond, Alberta and raid their computers and has done everything to obstruct delivery of a product. I put in a phone call to Health Canada where I was immediately flipped over to a mental health crisis line uh, where they have a script uh, that says that uh, you are mentally ill you need to be under the care of your physician. Please go to the hospital. If you run out of your supplements, you will not have this dangerous drug anymore. We're looking out for your best interest. An informed consumer is a far better judge of their health care needs than any Health Canada 
bureaucrat in Ottawa. I just ask that you please let me keep my quality of life, let me continue as a productive member of society. Now there's over 3,000 Canadians receiving help from this product. And, and yet, Health Canada would move to take it off the market, Mr. Speaker. I love this country and I'm proud of my government. But right now, I'm really scared at what they're doing. Is there no room for science to progress the treatment of disease? So... It's just, it's really interesting when we take a look at the totality of, of, of everything that went on with, with True Hope as a case example or a prime example of what Health Canada is intending to do here, where we have these supplements that are helping people, research is coming out on it, more research, double-blind placebo-controlled trials about to come out um, or about to be conducted to verify whether or not these vitamins and minerals are having a tremendous impact on people. And Health Canada actually comes in and not just for the distribution of the supplement, uh, you know, cracks down on us, but they shut down the studies as well. And mm -hmm. the very studies that would have been necessary to be able to even possibly qualify for a drug identification number that they're saying that we needed. Mm -hmm. So just just so your viewers um, <clears throat> know what's going on with the, the Alberta study. So at the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Calgary, located within children's hospital is a research unit called the behavioral research unit and what they do um, and their psychiatrists and medical doctors on the faculty of the or you know faculty of medicine at the university of calgary they they do trials they they research and they have they had some expertise they certainly have a lot more now <clears throat> um but they had some expertise in in uh, nutrition and mental health and a lot of expertise in chemicals and mental health and um, skipping how they ended up deciding to do some initial research but they did a case series with bipolar adults and a case series with kids i won't call them bipolar kids the inclusion criteria was is if you were a psychiatrist in the calgary area and you had um, a child with severe mental illness whom you could not manage. So it didn't matter what drugs you were trying, you just couldn't manage that kid. You could refer them to this trial. Right. And for both the adult and child trial, basically eight out of 10 people got completely well in a short period of time when we're taking off all of their psychiatric drugs. And it's so astounded the faculty of medicine at the University of Calgary, this behavioral research unit, that they went to the Alberta government, the Science Foundation and said, look at this data like it's crazy have you nobody's ever seen anything like this the government needs to stump up taxpayer money to fund a double blind clinical trial and the alberta government looked at it and said you're right we do so this was government funded <clears throat> run by this behavioral research unit of the faculty of medicine not true hope all true hope did was provide the product so, exactly. so they, they have nothing to do with this. It's a it's a provincially it's funded by the Alberta government being run by a a unit that this is what their expertise is. And and on that clip was a Dr. Kaplan who ran the behavioral research unit. And uh, so Health Canada comes along halfway through the study and shuts it down, saying we never sought our approval to get, you know, 
to run the, the trial. And then, you know, they tried and tried and tried and tried to get approval and finally got approval, but they had to change the study design so much that it wouldn't be a meaningful trial design. So they didn't proceed. Um, and do you know, have you ever had that experience where you ask somebody a question, not realizing it's such a stupid question and you kind of get that look like, you know, are you really that stupid? It, this happened to me, which is why I'm, so I, I remember I was interviewing Dr. Kaplan because um, I ended up calling her as a witness at the, the criminal trial. And, I, you know, and I, I asked like, why didn't you guys get, you know, Health Canada approval for the, you know, for the, the double blind clinical trial? And I got that, like, are you really that stupid look? And she explained, like, and, and this is what they do for a living. Like, she, she ran that unit for three decades, I think. Um, it's like nobody's ever, ever in Canadian history gotten Health Canada approval to do nutrition research. Like, it had never happened before. Why would you, what are you talking about? That's just so stupid. And there was no procedure. And then here you have this unit. It's what they do for their living is do things like run double blind clinical trials. Like we're talking research doctors, like they're all medical doctors, but then they got all this postgrad stuff. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what room one of them goes into, they're the smartest person in the room. And they couldn't convince Health Canada to, you know, approve the, a trial design that would be meaningful. Well, I mean, it, it tells you it had nothing. The, the problem was, is the trial was going to show tremendous results and they couldn't have that politically because their masters didn't want that to happen. So that's all that was happening. Like, let's not pretend otherwise. But exactly. I just wanted your, your viewers to understand just how ridiculous this was. Yeah, and it literally began the day after uh, the CTV national news clip where Dr. Bonnie Kaplan, you'll see a portion of that news clip on, on that video there where she said any, any medication that ever had this effect would catch a lot of people's attention. That news clip airs and literally the next day, Health Canada is shutting things down. The next day, it's that mm -hmm. quick and trying to suppress, you know, the progression of science as, as uh, Dr. James Lunny says there in Parliament. So it's interesting to, to, to just, you know, provide some context as to what Health Canada is really about here, because we've had those those arguments. You know, we've had, you know, I, I remember when Bill C C51 arose and, and my recollection and maybe incorrect, but this is my recollection of it is that that you contacted my father and alerted him to what was found in another omnibus bill, a large bill as a Consumer Protection Act or whatever. I no, think it was, no. no. OK, go ahead. So, no, so Tony, Health Minister Tony Clement, and I think this is like March 2008, introduces Bill C-51, which was an act to amend the Food and Drug Act, which, you know, largely was just these, what we now call it Vanessa's Law, which was, you know, really misleading. So this happened in 2008, and then in 2014, you know, Vanessa's Law, oh, we're doing this to protect Vanessa. Well, you tried to get this in years before, so let's not pretend it's anything new. This right. is just how you're branding it. So that was just strictly Food and Drug Act. But immediately after Health Minister Tony Clement introduced Bill C-51, then Prime Minister Stephen Harper introduced Bill C-52, which was the Consumer Product Safety Act, hmm. which literally had the exact same powers and penalties, but now just imposing them in the area of consumer products. So, right. Yeah, because it was a stop C-51 and then kind of like, subset was c52 
you know, basically mm-hmm. turf and both. And actually, I want to touch on this real quick, um, you know, be, because, you know, we have this this journey where we win the court case out of necessity, um, showing that if we were to remove our products, that people would die. So, you know, to avoid being charged with criminal negligence by removing these products, we actually had a necessity of a defensive necessity to ensure that they are continued to be supplied our products and programs um, to those that needed them. And our programs were helping people come off these medications while uh, reducing or eliminating withdrawal from these addictive mm-hmm. medications. And, and so then we go into this landscape a couple of years later, two years later, after that court victory, where all of a sudden the whole, the whole industry is under threat with the bill C-51. And I want to, want to touch on an element here because it's very, I think it's relevant today. And so, you know, this information is coming forward and there's collaboration. And I remember, um, you know, the urgency of it. My dad calls in, uh, calls us all in, all the administrative staff of True Hope, family, not family, everybody who had had uh, a management role of sorts was called in in the, the late hours of the evening and were sitting there in a boardroom uh, discussing the implications of this bill and what it's going to do. And finally, I'm, I'm rolling back home at about four in the morning after we had a game plan and then back up again the next day and, and, and we're executing this game plan and I'm in charge of video work. So I have to come up with some video stuff. And then I end up taking over the social media for what would become the stop C 51 campaign. And so we brand this, the stop C 51. And that was at the same time that we did the health Canada exposed website showing health Canada is not here to protect your interests as Canadians at all, at all. And so we, we showed the chart, court transcripts and whatnot, the jaw-dropping information that, you know, that they knew that they were causing harm, but yet they were still proceeding and all that type of stuff. And so um, we get into C-51 and we start to disseminate this information across Canada to all of the, the, the retailers. We're making it known to the public. The news is picking it up at this point in time because the news was still, you know, they, they would still cover stories like this up until about 2010 is when I saw the shift there. But they're still covering this information. And it's now starting to get to the point that in every major city across Canada, there is a protest with all this stop C-51 branded stuff. Well, at the same time, once once it's brought to light, all of a sudden the CHFA, the Canadian Health Food Association, comes in. And they take our branding and they shift it and they use the stop sign, which well, man. up. And they put amend yeah. C-51. So they, they, they piggyback off what we're doing, but they water down the message. And it ends up going mainstream throughout the, the natural health products community, where Alive Magazine is now promoting the amend C-51 campaign and all that. And really what it served to do was, was create a major rift and division within. It, it, it hurt the campaign. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it was designed to hurt the campaign. Yes. So do do you want me to talk about what you know I think the Canadian Health Food Association's role is? Because let's fast forward to today and and talk about what's going on because uh CHFA has jumped on board with what's currently going on with I believe they, they're branded the SOS, the Save Our Supplements. Yeah. And let, let's talk about that so that people understand now that we're gonna get into what the current circumstances are, what the environment is that we're right in right now that every Canadian should know about and should be extremely alarmed over and that they, they, you know, enraged over in essence, over the fact that they're about to lose. If nothing happens, if nothing changes right now, 
they're about to lose their favorite natural health products and possibly even life-saving health products and be corralled down this, you know, into allopathic medicine, you know, synthetic uh, monopolized, you know, uh, medicine that that's your only choice. That's where we're going if nothing changes. So yes, please, I'd like you to talk about CHFA and the role they're playing today and what your take is on that. Well, so... The, and what's happened in the natural product industry is called rent seeking. So if you Google rent seeking, it'll come up. It's a term that economists use for a situation where you have a regulated industry and then the, the government regulates it stricter and stricter and stricter. I mean, there's the slow boiling of the frog frog because you can't just, you know, jump from, you know, no regulation or minimal regulation to like super strict. Um, but what the goal is, is to basically drive the small and medium and even most of the big players out of business by making it the regulatory burden too high. And so let's say you have like five or 10 companies left standing. Well, they now have a monopoly. Mm -hmm. They have a monopoly. So even though the cost of doing business is so much higher, they earn way more than they would otherwise. <clears throat> so... But and the problem I want to is something there in relation to what you're saying about the regulations and it driving, you know, companies out. I personally have wholesale accounts with a number of different um, uh, manufacturers throughout Canada for sup other supplements that we consume. And what was of interest is back in around 2010 to 2012, there was a bit of a shift where I was working with one particular company that was serving to be a distributor, not not only of their own products, but they were also distributing other products as well, other lines that were available that were US based. And that's at about the point in time that, you know, the NHP regulations have been in, in, in effect since January 2004. But that's when Health Canada was threatening to actually begin enforcing it that stores were not going to be allowed to have um, non NPN products on their on their store shelves. And a lot of these manufacturers of the US just weren't willing to jump through those hoops for such a small demographic. And so with this one particular lineup that I had access to all of these products, all of a sudden I've got access to like a quarter of the products that I once had in that with that particular distributor. And so just by them, you know, amping up the regulation a little bit more to the point where now the, these manufacturers feel under threat and they're just not willing to go through all of the, the regulatory BS with Health Canada. They just said, you know, for that small demographic, we're just pulling our products and we'll just focus on the U.S. market. So we've mm -hmm. already seen a major reduction in products available, but go ahead. Oh yeah, no, no, actually, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it, it's been a bloodbath and yet, you know, you walk into the store and the shelves are like bursting. So you don't, you don't know that that whole lines are gone. And you also don't know that like products have become less effective, dramatically less effective because health Canada's required companies to drop the level therapeutic levels. But I was I was talking about this rent seeking exercise where, you know, slowly, ever so slowly, the regulatory burden has increased. Well, the big companies, they support it. And you have to understand they're actually ethically obligated to support it because the board members have a legal fiduciary duty to the shareholders, not for good health outcomes, but for maximum profits. They yeah. can be sued if they don't seek maximum profits. So when they see that we can create this quasi monopoly, they support it. Well, guess who the biggest funders are to the Canadian Health Food Association? The big companies, mm -hmm. right? 
And they also have been taking government funding for the longest time. So now, but in a rent-seeking exercise, you have to have the trade, the a main trade association telling the small and medium guys that are going to go out of business, no, it's okay. Like this change is coming, but you know, we've negotiated it down. It's not as strict and we'll get through. And so basically telling the frog that's slowly getting boiled, it's okay. Just sit there. It's okay. Just sit there. And right. so, I mean, it's been frustrating because I'm part of a group called the natural health product protection association. And our website is www.nhppa.org. And we started in 2008, just before Bill C-51. And every step along the way, and I challenge anyone, I mean, because all our discussion papers are there, you tell us one thing we predicted that hasn't happened or isn't happening now. Mm -hmm. You tell us one thing we, we predicted that either hasn't come true or isn't about to come true and it and you know that because health canada is telling us this so all along the way we've been trying to get the industry to stop things but the canadian health food association acting as the facilitator that's the term used has tells oh no no ignore them nothing to see here citizen move along but the last act of the facilitator because we're now in the last chapter like we either not only stop these initiatives, but actually get deregulation of natural health products or we're done. And it's actually going to be harder this time because this is part of a harmonization of our regulations with other countries. It's part of an international harmonization. And we're so far down the road now, this is going to be very difficult to stop. But we will, it, we either stop it or it'll be clear that our government doesn't serve us anymore. So this is going to be very helpful. But the last act of the facilitator is to run an ineffective campaign because we're in a crisis. And I mean, they're, I think it's their postcard. They're talking about toothpaste to the MPs. Like, I think they're talking, they, they mentioned toothpaste. What? This is life and death. This is personal sovereignty. This is being locked into a slave model where we have no, no, um, choice at all how we treat ourselves when we're sick or how to prevent illness and they're talking about toothpaste and their their mp letter like could you could you write a less effective letter and even you know one that health canada can credibly get back and say well we're not making this change or like what do you mean there's no current amendments to the nhp regs so i'm really i i'm skeptical about their campaign i actually that it would be better for our movement if they had not launched well there's no question so because the other thing is is you get people to take some ineffective action and they feel they've done something and then they're done they're right? playing the role of controlled opposition really is what it is well or that's that that's the danger right i'm i'm clearly skeptical yeah yeah well, and, um, and their end goal their end goal is is to mitigate cost recovery for example well, what do you mean we should have no cost recovery on these the products are already too expensive because of the overregulation. Yeah. And, you know, so their end goal isn't deregulation. Their end goal isn't, you know, charter of health freedom. Their end goal isn't ending the, the self-care framework. They, they, you know, so like, well, you know, our end goal is let's stop the trains. Their end goal is let's be orderly as we get into the boxcars. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, so 
why are why are they running a campaign at all? Good question. Exactly. And and you know you, what you're talking about is very reminiscent of you know back in 2008. They weren't about getting rid of Bill C51. They were saying no, no, we need Bill C51. Let's just change it, right? Yeah. And I I remember I think I wrote a second discussion paper on that to basically have to counter that. And I I likely would have asked the question like, and I know I did publicly like. You show me one part of Bill C-51 that's good for the natural health product industry. Like, help me out here. Yeah. Which, like, you, you show me one part. <clears throat> but again, I mean, they made it a harder fight. We won that fight. Well, now mm -hmm. we've lost it. I mean, now those powers and penalties apply. And but we, we have to fight, 15 years. We have to, we have to fight to get that undone. But, um, you know, that was 2008. So we delayed it for 15 years. Right. But, you know, they they made it harder for us to delay it because, yeah, what a mixed message. Amend. I forgot about that. Amend yeah. Bill C-51. And they were still using the boxcars. Paint the boxcars. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it was just shocking because it's not like they came up with anything original. They actually hijacked our branding that we had established. And now you have a stop sign that says amend. It, there's a complete visual disconnect even there but it's because we had already branded they were merely trying to come in behind and and, and mm -hmm. that division and, and they did a really good job of it because it put us as true hope at odds with a lot of the health food stores a lot of the retailers across canada they were divided who do we choose right well, same same as right now right i mean like we're in the process of, of at the nhppa of you know trying to construct the campaigns and and the branding for the campaigns and and get things going and there's already been this parallel campaign that that is ineffective and now you're you're competing with and you don't agree with their end goals at all and they're terribly ineffective at getting the public motivated that's the only bright side is is they're not they're not good at at getting action or bringing about change they're so <clears throat> so there's still there's still hope there's still hope but we have to definitely take serious action if we if we think that we're going to be able oh, to turn this around this, if, this is it if you don't so the, what i'm going to say is super important so we're in we're in the end game david mm -hmm. so i mean we've just we've just lived through the most significant government intrusion um for any canadians alive even ones that were alive during wartime Mm -hmm. And we've we've ever experienced before, you know, but for, you know, aboriginals before the Bill of Rights that were basically prisoners on the reserve right. under an, an apartheid system. Um, so, you know, post Bill of Rights, we've never had an intrusion like this. <clears throat> and there's been a tremendous transfer of power from the citizen to the government. The citizen is now afraid of the government. Mm -hmm. So there's there's been this huge transfer of power. And the courts have totally failed us. So um, I can't think of a single case. So remember, the biggest intrusion in our lifetimes, in theory, we've got all these charter rights. I can't point to, and I challenge any lawyer to point to me, to a single case anywhere in Canada that will act as a break on governments doing this again going forward. Right. So we're all in this, oh, my gosh, it's 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 going to happen again. We've lost. Basically, we're you know it's like we're on parole, 
and you know we can put on be put under house arrest at any time so and parliament has not been responsive but what's changed is we've got all these freedom groups not not on the natural health product thing but we've got all this we've now got this freedom movement of people that are really concerned about this but they don't have a target right and along comes this issue the natural health product community is huge and there's a whole bunch of people in it that have no idea that you know maybe how we've lost our rights over this past couple of years is actually really concerning because they're getting the world paradigm from the six o'clock news mm -hmm. which is is sending a very different paradigm message than people that don't watch the six o'clock news live so they don't they don't even even the idea <clears throat> that this natural product industry would be part of a wider agenda to harmonize international regulations would be news to them. Or, you know, the One Health Initiative, or, you know, this treaty that we're not calling a treaty, but it would be a binding agreement that Canadian Canada is participating in, where, you know, the WHO declares a pandemic and all of a sudden we've lost the right as a country to choose how we're gonna handle it. Yeah. Like, wait a second, you mean we don't have qualified people in Canada that could determine maybe how we respond to a pandemic? We'd still even have the choice of following what the WHO says. We'd, but you mean we don't have a choice? They would have sovereignty over those decisions, not us as a nation. And we're not even having a dialogue about it? Like, really? Like, So some people would be really surprised. But what what's so important about this issue is it will galvanize a significant section of the population that doesn't understand there's something else going on but once they're excited about this they're likely will will start looking around but if we don't stop this is the one issue where we have to shut down every mp's office where we have to dictate our terms and we have to win and if we don't if so if we're not in a situation where we're dictating to parliament you deregulate natural products you pass the Charter of Health Freedom into law. You stop the self-care framework. You get us out of the international health regulations. If right. we can't do that, <clears throat> then we will know, because we'll, there's no other issue we'll be able to galvanize such a wide branch of the population. If we can't do that, then we will know that that reforming parliament at this point in time is not an option for us. That in essence, we're in servitude like it's we're, we're basically we're in that, in that sense you know the way that i'm looking at it is if if we can't win this then we know that we are in essence chattel we are slaves yeah, and, and we're not going to win this by you writing a letter and thinking you're done or you writing or you visiting your mp and thinking you're done we need you to be you know insisting for bi-weekly meetings with your mp on updates and writing letters and calling and why stop at your mp why not also the prime minister and minister of health why don't you interact with all 338 mps or like pick 50 of them because that is a 338 isn't too too large for you to be sending letters to right um so we're we're putting together action plans at the nhppa.org website to kind of you know write down to you know if you're not willing to write your own letter here's a form letter you could add to, or here's a form letter you don't have to add to, or here's a whole bunch of talking points you can use, and here's the discussion paper to find out what's happening, et cetera. Like we're trying to make it easy, and I know other groups will be doing similar things. But you you have to, this has to literally become your full-time job um, 
you know, as, as campaign after campaign starts, like we're finished. If we can't get parliament working for us again, we're finished. It's done. Well, and they're, they're hitting us from multiple angles right now. Right. I mean, so they got bill C 47 that has the draconian me measures that they can now take against us that, that would in essence, it incites tyranny. It's like, Oh, heaven forbid that I, I have an infraction against me because you know, the penalties are so huge. They've also got on the table right now that they're pushing forward the cost recovery measures that are mm -hmm. at minimum going to just skyrocket the prices of natural health supplements. And people are already struggling to be able to afford natural mm -hmm. health supplements. I mean, well, the, poor, the, the, poor does, the poor don't have a choice now. Right. I mean, when we talk about losing our right to choose our, you know, access natural health products, we're really talking about an upper and a middle class well, um, privilege. Yeah, and 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 they're and they're destroying that at a rapid rate with with their inflationary measures. I mean, when they shut things down in 2020, they shut down production and they increased the the money flow by paying people to be at home. You just did the two main things that you would do if you were trying to create hyperinflation, and now they're trying to curb it by increasing interest rates. So you got this tug of war. It's going to bust at some point in time. It's actually it's interesting because you know. I don't really follow politics, but I've been, you know, in 2020, I was calling this out and saying, look, like we have inflation, hyperinflation on our doorstep based on what they're doing. Like, this is just, this is economics 101. You don't even have to be a student of economics to understand this. They increase the, or they increase the money supply, reduce the production. Now there's more money competing for every product that's available and there's less products available. You're going to see prices go up. And so now they're, they're, they've got this tug of war going on in the way that, um, uh, I, I probably can't even pronounce his name right. Pierre Bulev, um puts it is that basically yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah. So basically, what the government's doing is with with the whole inflationary process and trying to curb it with with interest rate hikes, is you're driving down the road with your foot on the gas pedal and on the brake at the same time. At some point in time, something gives, and now at the same time, they're doing cost recovery on natural health products. It's going to increase the cost even more well and it's going to drive smaller players under and some medium players under and it's going to reduce the number of products yeah so and and i mean and that's not even the worst of it david so what else is coming in under the self-care framework is a full harmonization of how natural products are regulated <clears throat> with the chemical pharmaceuticals so ironically they're reducing the regulatory burden for the chemicals and then they're increasing the regulatory burden for the natural health products. So they're, the cost recovery you're talking about, they're saying, well, we're going to use the fees to create a whole new enforcement arm to enforce these stricter regulations and, and to go out into the marketplace and make sure that nobody, basically to censor truthful health information. Because false health information, you're, there's a section of the act fraud and then there's fraud under the criminal code. And then our telecommunications law has provisions for fraud. Like we're already protected if people are going to go out there and lie about things. Yeah. So we're talking about truthful health information. Health Canada yeah. takes the position and, and True Hope's a perfect example. How many published peer-reviewed studies that True Hope's had no part in at all, funded by government and universities, are there? There's 35 medical journal publications being derived from over two dozen studies. What you're talking about is it something right now that that's that's hypothetical or that they're likely going to do. 
let's segue right now and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this more. But this goes into censorship, like you're saying there, where they're going to go out and they're going to censor truthful information. They're going to do that. They're not going to do that. They are already doing that. And we've already had interactions. Over oh, yeah. The last no, 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 no. I know. But but right now it's more reactionary. So either they, you know, they hate you like they hate True Hope <clears throat> or someone complains about you. It's very rare that they're actually proactive going out there and looking. But they're yeah, going to create a whole new arm of enforcers that go out and look. And then we'll get to the new penalties. Right. So, exactly. So, but where I was going is, is, so there's 35 published studies that True Hope didn't do any of them. They're funded by governments and universities. And it's illegal for True Hope. And this is only according to Health Canada. There's nowhere in the Food and Drug Act that says you can't share truthful health information. And Section 2B of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms gives us freedom of expression. But Health Canada takes the position. You can only talk about your your label claim. So, you know, supports mental health and well-being or, you know. <clears throat> so it's actually illegal for True Hope, according to Health Canada, not the law, to share with you truthful health information. Like one, one, my law practice is almost non-existent because for the last year I've been, you know, do, volunteering full-time with the National Citizens Inquiry. <clears throat> but a little bit I had been doing recently was, you know, for a handful of naturopathic doctors because Health Canada is attacking them for, you know, ad for truthful advertising about some of the treatments they want, you know, people to come and engage them with. And, <clears throat> you know, I could run interference or if True Hope ever hired me again, oh, they're trying to, you know, say we can't say things. Well, we could run interference before because worst case scenario, what, you know, are we looking at a $5,000 fine? But if we're looking at $5 million a day fines, like no naturopathic doctor can withstand that. So they have to comply. So now you lose the truthful health information and they can shut True Hope down now. Like the fines are so outrageous <clears throat> and they never charge you with just one. I mean, you're going to have 30 or 40. And, and, you know, if a court agreed, I mean, you're done. So we, we've got two websites. <clears throat> we've got truehope.com. And that's our international website. We've got trueupcanada.com that showcases the products right here that have the MPNs on them that are available to the Canadian market. And so trueupcanada.com, uh, in light of what you're speaking about, we've had to revamp the website um, in th on three different pages significantly uh, just recently. So about a because month ago, we actually employed powers. What's that? Because of these new powers. No, the new powers weren't even in play yet. Okay. This is where it gets concerning. See, it, it, it demonstrates that they're already moving forward with it. Oh, yeah. For the new power. So I'm actually going to show, uh, it's about a four minute clip uh, that's available on, if you were to go onto our website and you want to see all the research, which was all there, all the abstracts of the medical journal publications, whatnot. So, you know, average person can go on, be like, hey, does this work for ADHD? Oh, look, here, there's five, six different studies that highlight ADHD. Let me read the abstracts and see, and I can make an informed decision. Well, we've had to make some changes. So I'm going to show you the video clip right here. It's about four minutes. So if you need to take a water break or anything like that, but I'm going to throw it on real quick. And then, uh, and then let's continue talking about that because censorship is one of the aspects I want to talk about, especially in relation to the bill that they just put forward. And so if we can follow up with that afterwards as well and see, you know, maybe how that will potentially affect our ability to fight this. Uh, kind of addressing the risks, but let's just see. 
a topic that's been on the tip of our tongues here in Canada over the past few years, and yet within Canada is nothing new. You see, over 22 years ago, groundbreaking research came out of the University of Calgary that had initially been done on the Empire Plus for the treatment of bipolar disorder. It was so groundbreaking that CTV National News picked it up and it went all across Canada, showing that there was a new hope for sufferers of bipolar disorder. In medical news tonight, there is new reason for optimism for sufferers of bipolar disorder, a condition that causes manic depression and a condition that affects hundreds of thousands of Canadians. According to findings of a small study presented today to the Canadian Psychiatric Association, a combination of vitamins and minerals may alleviate the disorder's debilitating symptoms. The very next day, Health Canada phoned my father and asked him, who gave you permission to speak on national television last night about what you've been doing with these vitamins and minerals? At the same time, the Alberta government was funding $544,000 into a double-blind, placebo-controlled trial to further substantiate the effects that these vitamins and minerals would have in correcting various mental health conditions. Health Canada shut that study down. Preventing the progress of science and ultimately preventing you as an individual and the general public from having access to this very meaningful information that would allow for you to make informed choices. Fortunately, the research continued across the world in various universities to the point now that there's 35 medical journal publications on the Empower Plus demonstrating its effects from over two dozen studies on various mental health conditions. Conditions like anxiety and autism and Asperger's, major depression, bipolar, psychosis, helping to heal from traumatic brain injury and also alleviating the detrimental effects of PMS. You've come to this tab on our website to look at the various medical journal publications on Empire Plus. You no longer have access to those medical journal publications because that censorship continues on today. And we've just been notified by Health Canada that those medical journal publications are not to be on our website and available to you as an individual unless those medical journal publications and the topics that they discuss in relation to Empower Plus correcting these conditions is pre-approved by Health Canada. Censorship, a very relevant topic that we've all experienced over the past three years. It's not going away. Outside of the jurisdiction of Health Canada, there may be a website that's out there that has all 35 medical journal publications available for you to peruse, for you to be able to take a look at, to educate yourself, and to ultimately make the best decisions for yourself. The decisions that Health Canada doesn't feel that you're capable of making. And neither do they want to provide you with the information necessary for you to be educated as a consumer. We would encourage you to dig a little deeper and see what you can find outside of the jurisdiction of Health Canada, who has a long history of censorship.
All right. So, you know, the, the case in point here is that over the last number of months, we've already had issues with Health Canada and we've had to make serious revisions to our website mm-hmm. because of these types of, of problems where, you know, these are independent studies like you like you mentioned before. Well, it's 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 just it's outrageous, isn't it? So so to protect you, Health Canada is basically saying you truthful health information can't be shared with you. I mean, it's it's outrageous. How can there possibly be good health decisions? And how is anyone even going to know? Like, if, so here you have a product. I mean, eight out of ten people with severe bipolar disorder will literally be cured, especially if they haven't ever been on a psychiatric med. Like, I mean, it's like of the light switch going off. Well, how can it help them if they're not told? Right. <clears throat> and who's going to tell them? Well, obviously the manufacturer. Like, nobody else is going to tell them. So what are we and looking at no downside. Like, I mean, like, and we could do that with product after product after product. So, so here's the scary thing. So if practitioners and manufacturers can't advertise, and now they can't with these, you know, Bill C-51 powers, like when Health Canada says jump, you say how high? They own you. We're in full-on tyranny because these aren't meant to punish. These are meant to destroy. They're just so outrageous. It's just ridiculous. But what's even worse is so now, and just using EMPower Plus as an example, to get approval of this lame structure function nutritional supplement to support mental health and well-being or whatever it is, you have to prove the product's safe and you have to prove it's effective for supporting mental health and well-being. And right now the natural health product industry to get over that effective hurdle can use traditional use evidence. Mm-hmm. We're going to lose that. That's going to be a bloodbath for our, our availability of products because I mean, some, think of the traditional Chinese practitioners. I mean, their knowledge base goes back thousands of years as do, do herbalists. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I, I like to use the example of, you know, scurvy. So like, let's say, you know, we have the economic collapse and international trade collapses. And all of a sudden in Canada, we find ourselves, you know, with restricted food options and and scurvy becomes a problem because we just aren't getting vitamin C in our diet. And David, you and I see, okay, well, we got to help people here. So let's like create this like super concentrated, you know, rosehip tea high in vitamin C to alleviate scurvy. Now, we know 100% it's going to work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, we could use the British naval records because, you know, back in the day when they had these long voyages of the Royal Navy ships by sail and they didn't understand you had to have vitamin C in the diet, like the you would have warships that basically would become where they couldn't fight because the sailors were suffering from fight, vitamin C deficiency called scurvy. And it was a huge problem until they figured out, oh, we need vitamin C. And so now all the the sailors would have to eat a lime a day, which is why British sailors to this day are referred to as limeys, because they had to eat a lime a day. <clears throat> we could use those records, which conclusively prove, but not under the self-care framework. Now we'd have to run a double-blind clinical trial. Which is expensive. And, and like, well, we wouldn't do it because we wouldn't then... 
because the process is so expensive, as soon as we got through the process, we couldn't recover our costs because anyone, we don't have a patent, so anyone could just apply without doing the work we did and say, well, I'm just piggybacking on them. Like, mine's the same product. So, so realistically, the, 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 the laggards, the ones who are, are not the pioneers. The first people won't go through. Because right. you won't be able to raise the money to do it. We wouldn't be able to, like, it, that's an expensive prospect, David. Like, mm. that, so, but just my point is we're going to lose traditional use to prove efficacy. Yeah. Well, what's going to survive? Like, right. help me out here. This is, this is just going to be, and under the self-care framework, Health Canada has made it clear. Well, yes, this is going to be the licensing scheme for self-care. So things you don't, things over the counter. Not for anything you would seek the advice of a healthcare practitioner licensed by a province. So if it's something you would go and see your naturopathic doctor or your homeopathic doctor or your tra traditional Chinese practitioner or your Ayurvedic practitioner or your herbalist or your nutritionist, if it's anything that serious, <clears throat> no, they can't get licensed under these regulations like they could with the natural health product regulations they have to go through the new drug approval process which they can't get through so you tell me like when we're finished with this self-care framework what products are going to be left for these these natural health care practitioners to use right and the only way they'd be able to use them is off-label but then they're putting themselves but, they're, but off label, how are you going to get them approved like they're not vitamins, they're not minerals. Like what's the claim you're going to get them approved for? It can't be for a condition for which you would seek the, well, I guess supports mental health and well-being, maybe. But when Health Canada went through, you know, their Cross Canada tour, we went and took pictures of their slides because they weren't publishing them online. Mm -hmm. And they were showing how much they were going to be restricting label claims. Like, so it's already bad. We're in a structure function label claim environment. Right. But they were making it clear, like, we're really going to truncate the the claims. Like, it was scary. So, you know, and they were making it clear, like, nothing that you would seek the advice of a healthcare practitioner over. No, no, no. So the, the goal is to make sure the only practitioners you can go to are the medical doctors because the rest of them are out of business. They don't have products. Right. But even if and I know the practitioners are already thinking, well, well, we'll just have to do underground pipelines and have illegal products and maybe, you know, make it make it look like we're not doing what we're doing. But now you got the five million dollar day fines and they're just going to start picking you off and making examples out of you and people will stop doing it. Now, outside of oh, the five why million did they bring fines, in these fines? Now we know. Right. But they, they also already control the manufacturers. So in essence, so what we're looking at here, whenever you take a look at, at a large government uh, body, it ends up, you know, turning businesses into basically their lack, lack, lackeys, right? So basically Revenue Canada or Canada Revenue Agency has all these businesses collecting their GST form, right? And all that type of stuff, right? So we see how they, they actually start to use the businesses to do basically their groundwork for them. Well, mm -hmm. over the last number of years, the manufacturers have begun to come under attack where they can't, they're going to get shut down by Health Canada. And we actually are working with a manufacturer that has gone through some of this over the last three years, where they ended up getting shut down for a bit of time because there was a product that went through that was questionable, but it had nothing to do with the manufacturer. They're, they just took the ingredients that they were, they were supplied with and they, they encapsulated them, right? 
And so based on that, now Health Canada is saying, no, no, you need to jump through all these hoops. And if you put any product out, it has to be like basically to our spec, right? And you need to have it independently tested. So if if we say wanted to go underground, right? Great thought process. Sure, we're going to bypass the, the NPN regulations. We'd have to find an underground manufacturer that Health Canada doesn't already have control over. Yeah. Like oh, the no, whole thing that, would underground. The, the noose around our necks are, is tightening and it's tightening fast. And that's why I say you can't sit on the couch. If you think you're going to sleepwalk through this one, you're not waking up. Right. Right. And, and, and to try to go outside of their jurisdiction at this point in time, the, the problem is, you know, it, it's the same thing because going underground is just exiting one jurisdiction and going into a, a rogue jurisdiction, if you will, or whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've seen it in times past, but the problem is, is that they've tightened down so much on industry that they've made it, they, they've played a game, a really good game of chess. Oh, and yes. As, and they as have. They've got the whole thing set up for checkmate, um, we weren't even aware of it. For, for those that, that didn't understand what was going on, um, we saw it going on. We saw because we've, we've been in it for so long, but the vast majority of people had no clue. Even, you know, manufacturers of products didn't realize what Health Canada was doing when they implemented this with the manufacturers, when they were doing this, whatever, all these different little small steps that seemed, you know, inconsequential. Well, now they all come into play and now we realize we're basically walled in. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, no, no. This is this has been well played. Um, <clears throat> it's been obvious that it's been coming for a long, long time, and uh, this is the end game. So we either make it so clear. Canadians have to make it so clear. And I mean, this is gonna, this is gonna be uncomfortable. I mean, like, I I want every Canadian to be writing all 338 MPs and printing out our discussion paper, which is 38 pages long and stapling your angry letter to it and sending it out to each one and do that like at least twice a twice a month. Well, that's a commitment. You're going to have to go to Staples and print all this off. It's too much for you. And yep. you're going to have to pay for it. And you're going to have to, you know, put it in envelopes and it's going to be <clears throat> it's going to be work and it's going to be cost. But you're and you're going to have to go to rallies and you're going to have to do whatever's necessary. We're going to have to form riding associations in every single riding and have people join the political parties for the nomination process because that's their soft underbelly. We're not talking about the vote, the election. We're talking about them getting nominated for the election within their own party. Mm -hmm. We're literally going to have to have riding. Like we're, you're going to have to be organized and evolved and going to meetings. Like if we can't get parliament back on this one and we have max, maybe six months to do it. Maybe I doubt it. Like, are we going to be locked down in six months? Probably. Are we, you know, by the World Health Organization and, you know, wearing masks and cowering yeah. in our homes and fears? Like, do we even have that long? Round two. So, yep. so, so, so time, we're in a full red alert emergency fire. And we need you involved in that. So, like, start by going to nhppa.org, getting the discussion paper <clears throat> and reading it so you understand. Um, we're still amazingly uh, having to get our, you know, website set up so that it's very crystal clear to you what to do. But hopefully in the next couple of days that will happen. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like we need you plugging in. Like there's a subscribe page. Give us your email address so when we launch a campaign, we can let you know what's happening so that you can plug in. There's another element I want to touch on real quickly here before we jump out. Um, 
I mean, you mentioned people go on, on your website and they get the discussion paper and, and I've read uh, a fair bit of it and it's very good. And um, the only reason I haven't read the whole of it is because uh, I ended up going to bed last night, right? Yeah, and it is long. I mean, I, I don't apologize for that, but but you have to know the risk and you have to know the history. And we've kind of lost a generation of people that were fighting on this issue. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand how we got here, you know, you're you're not going to be as effective. Exactly. And it's very well articulated. You, you've done a, a fantastic job of, of bringing that together, at least for the portions I've read thus far. So I want to bring another element forward because we, we see the, the game of chess going on with the government. And we, you know, I mean, you see on our website, you know, even our testimonials page, I've had to do a video for our testimonials page and we've had to censor our testimonials, a number of them, because Health Canada didn't approve them with the content that somebody else was sharing of their real life experience. It was independent of us. We just captured it on video. So censorship is, is it's not going away. Like I said in the video and they've, they've come up with a censorship bill. Correct. Well, yeah, I think you're talking about bill C 17, which gives government, the federal government, um, the power to censor the internet. Yes. And yes, that's a very, very scary prospect. Yes, it sure is. Especially so in today's environment. So, <clears throat> yeah, how long is it when a podcast like this is even going to be allowed? How long is it that you're going to have your website up there with that discussion mm -hmm. paper? That's, that's the, 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 the time-based urgency in relation to yes. the, this fight. Is, is that's a great at point. At what point in time do they shut things off? Right. I, I know I'm censored on social media. I'm surprised that uh, we've actually got the viewers on here that we do right now that I'm looking at. Um, because when I shared last night, I mean, I've got a, a following of, of over 10,000 people. And then plus I've got uh, an additional about 5,000 friends. So I've got over 15,000 people that when I share something, it should be generated on, on at least a number of their news feeds. Now, obviously, there's algorithms and all that type of stuff, but it should be really put out there. And there's certain topics that I've touched on recently where I get almost zero interaction with it, almost zero. And it's not because it wasn't interesting either. And when I shared um, with the description, uh, this podcast that was going to go on, I shared it last night. Within about an hour, I think there was five people that had interacted with it within an hour. Normally, that would be within about five minutes, if mm -hmm. not less. Normally, it's just ching, 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 and then share, share, share. And I've been watching what's been going on and the censorship is real. And, and so I'm, I'm shadow banned because they're not actually censoring it where they're saying, mm -hmm. you know, it's not available at all, but you have to basically go onto my page and click on my page to see it mm -hmm. versus it being populated on a newsfeed. So we know that they're already engaging in this type of stuff, different, you know, organizations, YouTube is doing it. I mean, our trio page got canceled back uh, a couple of years back. My page the same week, my YouTube channel got, got, turfed as well my personal youtube channel the mm -hmm. same week as the true up one so there's some concerted efforts going on um but the censorship is real but now they've actually just legalized it and that is well, no 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 but the censorship that was happening was it's company censoring right. now the federal government will have jurisdiction to censor and just dictate like i mean we all kind of wonder and i don't know if your listeners are aware but i mean it's it's crystal clear that during the COVID thing in the united states basically you know, the White House and different government organizations were dictating to social media platforms to deplatform and, and censor 
specific people and like they would it would just be going back and forth censor these and these and these like so basically there was government censorship and you know yeah i i wonder did the same thing happen in canada and and why wouldn't they i mean if if the u.s government can tell <clears throat> the social media platforms to censor individuals you mean the canadian government wasn't doing the same it's just now they've got the power to dictate they don't have to just request right so if I was to kind of sum up, you know, the situation that we find at hand right now is one, we, we've laid out the intentions of Health Canada and that has nothing to do with protecting the health of Canadians at all. In fact, they caused deaths. Uh, they actually engaged in legitimate criminal behavior with the true case back going from 2000 to 2005 before it ended up in the courts. And it was qualified in the courts that deaths did occur from Health Canada's actions and that Health Canada was well aware of that. And so we see, you know, the, the complete disregard for life in relation to their actions. And that has nothing to do with ensuring that every Canadian is healthy and, and that they're vibrant and well and all that. We see the underhanded, you know, tactics that they're taking. We see how they just got this, these draconian this draconian legislation through by sandwiching it into the budget budget bill and, and slipped it through under the radar of most people. Meanwhile, CHFA is, you know, saying save our supplements because of cost recovery and their cover, you know, from what I can see. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they'd be of the opinion that we can't roll back C47. Well, give me a break. Of they may be of that opinion, but they weren't highlighting that, that, that I saw. Mm -hmm. They weren't bringing well, that up. They weren't well, even bringing that to the table. It was almost like a switch and bait type of thing. It's like, hey, cost. Oh, wow. But oh, no, no. Over oh, here, and, there's, and there's labels, right? Like, so they're complaining about labels. <clears throat> yeah. So that's part of their initiative. Now, that's another part of the self-care framework. And we actually are going to lose products over it. But really, we're writing our MP about labels that have bigger fonts. Yeah. And that's part of their campaign. Like, yeah. really? It's really, we're... You're going to get people excited about the fact that the labels are going to have bigger fonts um, and they're going to be mad and write their MPs. Now, again, we are going to lose, David, we're going to lose products over this labeling change. Like we right. absolutely are. Yeah. And so, so it's actually legitimate, but it's just, it's interesting what they're leaving out and what they're choosing to focus on. And, and I think their campaign's hurting our chances. Right, because it's it's actually watering it down. It, it creates it's watering it down, and it's the wrong targets. Like, yeah. and the, I'm sorry, we're talking about life and death, and you're you're saying you want access to your toothpaste. Yeah, exactly. With like, don't don't mention toothpaste and natural health products in the same communication, in the same lifetime. Help me out. Right, and if I was an MP, I'd be looking at this and be like, "Come on, this is really that serious of a matter, really." because they've minimized the seriousness of it. They're not actually aiming at the real target is, is, right. is what I'm seeing. And that's, that's where the damage occurs from, from this whole campaign is that it looks serious on a business standpoint. Oh boy, this is going to hurt my, my bottom line. No, we should be talking about, am I even going to have a bottom line at all? Because there might not be products for me to supply. Right? No, and, it, and, and it's interesting, David, like, um, like a large number of manufacturers are members of the Canadian Health Food Association. And you don't even ask them, have to ask them, you know that there'll be different agendas. Like I say, the big players will be supporting all of this mm -hmm. because ethically and legally they have to. And, and some of them are owned by even bigger players and some are owned by the pharmaceutical industry anyway, which is part of this whole thing. Yep. 
so but the there'll be small and medium-sized ones that that won't be supporting this but they'll be told by the chfao well we're working on the blah 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 and they're not supporting us like you know nhppa we're, we're having we're, we have to hire a bunch of people we have to organize things that we have to advertise we need to create this whole structure and you know we're not you know to date we're just not having manufacturers lining up and saying well we'll, we'll you know here we'll pay you every month so that we have a working budget that's reasonable so i mean it's quite spectacular the damage they're doing right absolutely absolutely and, and ultimately at the end of the day people the, the the general people canadians you know outside of of having any vested interest in in the business aspect of, of natural health products but consuming the natural health products or wanting to have access in the future if mm -hmm. the situation that arises that they require them for their their actual life they should be alarmed over this and 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 put into a state of action over the fact that they're not going to have access to the thing yeah, and, and, and we're so far down the rabbit hole like i mean david gone are the days that you can rely on other people to protect you like you know issues would arise and there'd be some activists and they'd get the job done Yep. You know, we're so far down and so intertwined with the international harmonization that and the influence of the pharmaceutical companies on the leadership, I'm not talking individual MPs, but it's like, you know, if you want to if you want to have control of a court system, you just need a handful of judges and the person that decides which judge hears the case you're you know, most of the court will be squeaky clean and just, I'm just saying if you, if, if I was going to get control of a court system, I don't need every judge. If I got a hundred judges, yep. I need two. And, and the person who appoints decides who gets to sit on a case. That's all I need. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, I can speculate that that's exactly what we saw in our own personal case over the past 10 years is that we, we, we saw that emerge. Well, you know, just, just the worst was, so just so that, you know your listeners are aware so so the criminal case went well the court said well yeah you didn't have a you were guilty true you didn't have a drug identification number but it was legally necessary there's this doctrine of necessity it was legally necessary for you to do that or else people would have died and be harmed so i can't convict you even though you know technically you were in violation of the law but then true hope went further and went to federal court and it, it, you know, that that case had started at the same time, um, <clears throat> basically saying, look, at when you seize vital medication, so we're just the argument was just vital medication. We're not talking cough syrup. We're talking about things that are vital that that you know people rely on for their health or their very lives. When you seize vital medication, Health Canada or any other government agency. Um, surely, as a bare constitutional minimum, you should tell people you've seized their product. And there should be some easy mechanism for you to at least argue that your health interest, which might be your very life, um, outweighs whatever small regulatory problem is it with the governments. Because if you're poor, you can't go to court. And even if you're rich, you're not going to get there before you're, you're dead anyway. So there's got to be, like we're just saying as a constitutional minimum, if you seize vital medication and keywords on vital, you got to tell them. Yeah. Well, the lower court disagreed with us. Can you believe it? Lower court disagreed. 
like just with this absurd legal doctrine. So there were two parties to the lawsuit. There was the shipper of the product and there was a recipient of the product. And the court said, well, neither the shipper or the receiver has standing to make the argument. So, you know, you lose like all the case laws on our side. And there's case law saying that the shipper has a property interest in the product. Yeah. Well, and, and like case, you can't find a case that, that says otherwise. And the case law also says the receiver. So the person that bought the product paid for it <clears throat> and it's been shipped to them. They have a property interest in it. So, <clears throat> and it kind of begs the question, if the person shipping the product and the person receiving the product, if neither of them can go to court and say, the government can't seize the product and like surely i have the right to argue that's unconstitutional but according to the federal court they said no and um and then so to the federal court of appeal and the three judges agreed no no you, they don't have standing no the interesting thing david is is at that time the issue of standing and standing's just do you have the right to make the argument like mm -hmm. let's say I thought part of the Aeronautics Act governing how airplanes fly was unconstitutional. And I brought a case in my own name. The court would say, Mr. Buckley, like you're a lawyer. You're not involved in the airplane industry. You no skin in the game. You got no skin in the game and you don't really have a live fact pattern where it's really interacting with you or anyone else. So you don't have standings because we actually want to decide this with an interested party who can really vigorously argue with a fact pattern that's interacting them, because we're going to get better court decisions on constitutional issues if that's the case. And, and I don't disagree with that, but when you're then saying a shipper and receiver doesn't like, and standing had become a big issue at the time. <clears throat> and you know, and, and standing actually, like the courts have been siding on, no, you do have standing, but like you cannot find an appeal level case on standing. Let's, so let's say true hope is, you know, day one and you go two years after and two years before, you can't find a court of appeal level decision that isn't cited time and time and time again. The only one is true hope because any court looking at it goes, well, that's wrong. Yep. Like that's how you know a decision was so wrong it's crazy is that nobody else refers to it when it's a live issue at the time and every other appeal level decisions being referred to time in case after case after case it's being considered as a precedent but not that one because any court looking at it regardless of this you know or a party well that's clearly wrong yeah and really what that highlights is incredible you know and and i i'm in a position that, that i can say because you know, I, I can, I'm not going to be reprimand, reprimanded for it, but the amount of corruption within the judicial system is phenomenal from my perspective. I mean, and I've lived basically 10 years in, in, in and out of the courts and whatnot, and you've been a part of that as well in our journey. But there have been some incredible things that have taken place that are just so out of the ordinary to ensure that there is an outcome that is not favorable to the Canadian public at all. And that well, really is uh, an affront to our rights, our fundamental rights as parents and uh, in seeking, you know, or having medical choice. So I, I, I would, I would just say, cause you know, I have to be careful as a member of the bar, what I can say and can't say, I actually don't want to lose my, my license to practice. 
But what I can say is, is that I am astounded over the past three years with all this government intrusion that I can't point to a single case that would act as a break on government action at any level going forward. I, I mean, it's just astounding because then, you know, that's an open door for not just governments to do what they've done, but to even go further. And that, you know, we're not characterizing. So sure, they didn't make it illegal or like, let's just use the vaccine as an example. And and it doesn't matter whether you agreed with getting the COVID vaccine or didn't. Because there's different opinions on that. Um, the problem is, is let's say you agreed with it. You thought it was a great idea. <clears throat> well, but we've given up our right to say no. Like it wasn't made legal where you go to jail or get fined, but I'm sorry that the, um, the public messaging, even the social pressure, it's something we learned in the National Citizens Inquiry, wasn't just, you know, you're gonna lose your job and lively, livelihood. Uh, even a bigger driving factor was all the social pressure. Like mm -hmm. family members would stop talking to you, friends would disown you. That actually had more of a coercive effect and it's just this relentless media. So let's not pretend there wasn't coercion. Um, but if you supported that, because like if you really believed, oh my gosh, we're in this dangerous pandemic and this is going to help us. Well, my question is, is well, now we've set a precedent. Mm -hmm. What about the next time when you actually think this is going to hurt your child or kill your child or hurt you or kill you? Like, how, how are you going to feel about it the next time? So, I mean, even if we were in a dangerous pandemic and even if the vaccine was a solution, like let's just assume those two things. And, you know, you really think it was reckless for some people to choose not to do that, just ignoring the obvious logic. Well, if the vaccine worked, you and your family couldn't be in any danger if you chose to get it. Like, let's just ignore the, the lack of logic there. Like, let's say there really was, you know, concern on your part. Um, or even just you were concerned, legitimately concerned for the health of the people that you think were being reckless. Like, wow, um, you know, to cross that Rubicon where people really didn't have a choice and it, and it was coercion. Yeah. Um, like the problem then there is, is you've given up control of your body to the government and how are you going to feel the next time? Right. And the where does this, and, where, and this, the next time's likely coming very soon, mm -hmm. you know, to a, to a 15 minute lockdown city near you in Canada. So, so get out of the yeah, city. It's, it's, it's really something how people didn't, I, I know we're running really late, but can I just share with you a police state meme that I just feel the need to share? So like um, here we were in the middle of the, the COVID experience where we had these passports. And, you know, so you live in Alberta. So in Alberta, or no, you don't anymore. Anyway. Oh, no, I, I do. Live, I do. I, and, oh, yeah, that's right. So I, I live in Alberta. It's just you were in BC for a while. And so to go to a restaurant or go to a kid's hockey game, you had to, like, show your identity papers. And I remember that, like, a lot of people who had the identity papers would be gloating on social media, like, against the people that didn't like haha we can do this and you you like it was it was really quite something and i remember thinking you you don't understand that the joke's on you 
because let's let's think about what's happening and um, because people have to understand that this thing of showing identity papers is um, a police state ritual and this is important with our digital um, health IDs coming through the World Health Organization of which Canada is going to be a binding member of <clears throat> so before the identity papers you knew you were free to go to your kids hockey game like legitimately free you knew you were free to go to your kids hockey game or to go to a restaurant because you didn't have to do anything to get the right granted to you like that's true for you you didn't even think about it oh johnny's hockey games at four and and you go and you watch the game <clears throat> but with identity papers there's a ritual to basically subconsciously enforce in your mind that you're not free to go to the hockey game, but rather the state grants you permission when you go through the ritual. Like think about classic police states, you know, like Nazi Germany or Stalinist Russia, where they'd have roadblocks within cities at major intersections at times. <clears throat> well, they didn't actually, they'd let you through the roadblock when you showed your papers. They weren't there to restrict you from going from one area of the city to the next and they didn't need to know where you're going because they knew where you lived if they wanted to track you down and they knew you'd be there at night it's where you'd eat supper and it's where you'd sleep but what it does is it reinforces subconsciously that you're a slave mm -hmm. that you're not free to do it that you have to go through this ritual and then be granted permission that's the purpose of identity papers it wasn't for contact tracing are you kidding me yeah it was to get us understanding that we were no longer free to do these activities and that the state would have to grant us permission and david people's children watched them give identity papers yeah. to go into restaurants to go to a hockey like how do we come back as a society from having our children watch their parents go through police state rituals like i i i don't know how we undo that i don't i don't know if it can be because this is this is a humanistic issue you know for time infinitum it's, it's been since the beginning james allen uh the the one who wrote he wrote a number of books but as a man thinketh was one of his most popular ones he sums it up and it's summed up um, over the board appear of a paragraph and i'm going to paraphrase it and he basically states the problem isn't is that there's so many tyrants it's that there's so many slaves. And so it's like people, a, a, a very large majority of the people actually want servitude because there's a false sense of security that comes with it. it it's a really strange phenomenon to me. I, I, I can't grasp it. My mind doesn't work that way. I don't comply, right? I, no, but you, I mean, but you understand. You, know you instructed me not to speak openly at one point in time when you were representing me as a lawyer, and you knew that I kept on. I just couldn't keep my bloody mouth shut, right? When the truth had to be spoken. Yeah. No. No. In all fairness, that was for a limited period of time on a on a specific purpose. I get it. So, but I did instruct you. Uh, well, I I uh, I informed you of what I thought the consequences would be. You did your due diligence and it did get me it did get me behind bars for a limited period of time my my keeping my mouth open is it's true so you're doing yeah i get it 
but no, but I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, I care deeply for both you and Colette and, uh, and at all times tried to protect you guys. So. Exactly. No. And, and you were doing what any lawyer would have done. And that's why most people that, are, that have been um, charged, you don't see them speaking publicly. You know, they have a lawyer representing them, but you, but that's what I'm, I'm getting the point out there that I don't understand how people can, can be, have that slave mentality, but um, the vast majority of people, it appears do have it to a certain degree, whether they're enslaved to what their peers think of them, whether they're enslaved to having recreational activities available to them, whether, you know, going to the movies, going to uh, restaurants, blah, blah, you know, uh, whether they're enslaved to their job. Which is, you know, that that's a little bit of a harder one to get around for most people. But hey, I'm not going to have a job if I don't get a job. So I'm getting a job, even though I don't want to get one. It shows that they're enslaved to something. And, and and when we look at the vast majority of people, they're suffering with that. That they haven't broken those chains. That they're that they have some kind of vice that's holding them down. And unfortunately, you know, you, you bring up the point. How are we going to come back from this? Well, you know, know it, it, it's are. interesting. Um, you know, because you, you know, you basically use the economic chain as a, and I mean, I have friends, for example, that, that received the COVID jabs solely because they had a mortgage and a family to feed. And, um, you know, it made me understand that even, you know, our debt and greed based model where you have to have a new car and you have to have a house and we go into debt, that is a deliberate policy decision from the people that want to control you so that actually you can be controlled um like when my grandfather built a house they dug the hole poured the foundation put plywood over it and lived in the basement for a couple of years until they had money to frame the single level right and and like that's how people didn't go into debt but then they couldn't be controlled people that aren't in debt can't be controlled economically it's another level lever and we've actually been trained to rely on the government for absolutely everything so even the welfare state which you know sounds great but then first of all we're no longer taking personal responsibility for our our brother you know and mm -hmm. taking care of them like we're supposed to so we actually kind of lose uh, living the second commandment which is, you know, the foundation of how we're supposed to interact with each other. Right, loving your neighbor. Um, and we also we also create a whole class of people that are dependent on the government, and you know, and and literally, you're their slaves. Dependence is slavery, mm -hmm. and all of this is absolute, absolutely deliberate. And people are afraid because they don't understand that at any minute they could take back power. Let me just tell you one little story and then I have to go because we have been quite long and I, I have another call I have to attend. Um, one of the witnesses I called at the National Citizens Inquiry and when they were sitting in Red Deer was a lady named uh, Redina. And she was um, a political refugee from Poland who had from the beginning been involved in the solidarity movement. So from the beginning. And um, what she described to me when I was interviewing her didn't come out as clear on the stand and parts of this didn't come out on the stand at all is um, just how little support they had. And, um, you know, when they're making waves and stuff like that, and then the, the leadership gets arrested and they're having to care for the families of the leaders and try to keep getting the messaging out. And then she gets arrested for handing out brochures that go against the government narrative and is sentenced to, I think, three and a half years in jail by a 
a military tribunal, a naval and this tribunal. Is in Poland. This is in Poland, yeah. And um, <clears throat> and she said to me, yeah. So she came to Canada as a political refugee after they got their country back, but it was still dangerous for people like her to remain in Poland. So, um, but she said the people did not take to the streets until the economy collapsed and the bread ran out. So they're literally hungry. So now they're desperate and they take to the streets. And in very short period of time, once that happened, they have control over the country again and the police state is gone. But the interesting thing is, David, is they could have done that a year before, two years before, a decade before, two decades before. They always, they always had the power to free themselves and their children by taking to the streets. But they didn't until they were desperate and the bread ran out. And that, that is a scary prospect because we as Canadians could peacefully take control of our institutions again and reform them so that they're working for us again at any time at any time we could do that yeah but we're choosing not to we're choosing to go through all of this madness and it's we're we're past the point where we can get our institutions back without it being costly to us yeah. and it's just going to get more and more costly the longer we wait but uh, we're waiting and but we're running we can't wait any longer and, and i think this is an issue that that people can get behind and start taking action and then seeing, wait a second, I, I can get parliament working for me again. I can protect our fundamental rights then. So we can then, let's, let's get our natural products back. <clears throat> let's get our personal sovereignty back. And then we can deal with things like censorship and, you know, basically government overreach into other institutions that are afraid to, you know, act in, in the public interest. And like, let's, let's get this back on track. Let's reform again so that everything is working for the, this public interest and not for narrow interests. Right. And, um, and basically build a world again, that we're actually would be proud to hand to our grandkids because it's right now, it's just a mess and it's getting worse. So if we we're to talk about, uh, you know, action plan, and I know that, uh, you know, you've mentioned go to nhppa.org yeah get the discussion paper write your own letter you know start hounding those mps and whatnot make it known that's that's you know let's say that's plan a you've also made mention about um and i know that i've had people reaching out to me about this about you know in the meantime plan b in essence is stockpile um the supplements that you've come to rely on. Oh, I, I think we're, I think you're crazy not to stockpile your supplements. Yeah. Are you, are you kidding me? Stockpile now. So, so especially like stuff you, you rely on and, and, you know, and then like, you know, the staples like your vitamin D and vitamin C and, and, you know, NAC and things like that. Like, yeah. Cause you so might not have access to them tomorrow. And and well, here's, well here's, yeah, I mean it's not gonna happen immediately, but I mean you might as well start now. You know, like a lot of these things have a shelf life forever. Um <clears throat> so you know you know that it's coming. Like yeah. unless we stop this. It's so basically execute plan A, plan B at the same time. You know, there's an element here that needs to be covered. I think that uh, a compromise or people with compromised health are much easier easily controlled 
right? If you have compromised well-being, you're just you're way easier to 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 guide to and whatnot. The the people that I see out there that are the greatest uh, you know freedom warriors, they have their health about them, right? Because as soon as you don't have your health, I mean, you're you're, you're distracted, you're focused on other things, you're you're just trying no, to yeah, you're just trying to exist. You're trying to get through the day, right? Plain and simple. So stockpile the supplements that that, that you that you have come to rely on. So that you have access to those so that in the event, if it does go south where you don't have those available to you, at least you have enough for yourself to keep yourself going so that you can come to the table with a much greater offering than somebody who's extremely nutrient deprived because you're not getting it out of your food. I mean, that's a whole other topic that we could discuss that, that, would, that would take long, but about how they, you know, the, the food stuffs have been compromised over the last 150 years that it doesn't act as our medicine anymore. They've poisoned it and they've, They've deprived of nutrients. So you're eating empty, poisoned food now. And that's why we see a rise in disease to a significant level, right? Compared to previous generations. So I think that, you know, that plan needs to be employed on, on, on a broad scale, in essence, because it's not just natural products as well. I mean, we're honing in on that. And we want to definitely focus on that so that there is a pointed uh, plan of action here. But our whole lives to be able to free ourselves from the servitude that we find ourselves in. And this has been a fantastic experiment over the last three years to determine how, how enslaved we actually are that we weren't even aware of it. Right. If we found ourselves doing stuff that we otherwise wouldn't have done, um, it shows that we were, that we were enslaved in one way or another and we just didn't know it, but now we've gone through this, this situation. So, um, we need to be basically freeing ourselves from, um, the shackles of, of a, a tyrannical government and we need to try to turn it over like you're saying and let's do that peacefully let's make sure that we are getting it out there that we are we are creating a major um annoyance for these mps and hopefully they don't instill some kind of bill that will prevent us from doing that i mean we see the freedom convoy and where that went and what mm -hmm. precedent was established there now and that the emergencies act can uh you know uh, basically the war measures act can be employed for next to nothing when there isn't an actual emergency uh displaying imminent uh risk or harm to anybody right yeah so no i mean in all fairness um the trucker movement had clearly communicated to the government that they were going to dismantle and that it wasn't necessary to bring the police in and maybe they were worried about you know they might hit the odd fire hydrant or something as they're clearing out so right. i'm being totally facetious it, it was outrageous <laughs> I mean, I watched it live. I, I still can't. I'm still traumatized watching, you know, jackbooted police taking down citizens one by one as if, you know, they were dangerous. This was an incredibly peaceful protest on an incredibly important issue, and the government ignored them in their entirety. And if that wasn't a wake-up call, I mean, it was the truckers that woke me up. And and out of being afraid where I, w I really wasn't doing anything, of of consequence to where it's like, well, they're, they're suffering consequences. They're putting it on the line for me and I can't ethically sit still anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think everyone needs to just understand you're, you're gonna, this is gonna hurt you. Resistance is gonna hurt you. Like to get real meaningful change. It's not free. Your freedom's not free anymore. Right. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna pay for it. Yep. But yep, exactly. But you're not gonna, you don't, you will lose the window of getting it back unless you act now. Yes. So a call for people to rise up to, to come out of their state of dormancy.
and, and to make sure to do something about it before it's too late, before it's too late. Um, I mean, right now we're in the position, like you say, it, it's, it's already too late. It's just, can yeah, we, well, can we pull it out of the fire? Exactly. The legislation has been passed. We're already, we're already in crisis state. Can we come, can we pull it back? It's not even a matter of preventing it. The wall has been breached. Are you willing to do something about it? Are you mm -hmm. willing to push the enemy back outside of the wall? Or are you going to live with the consequences of having the enemy amongst you? Yeah. Right? Living basically in your same domicile. It's just, we're, we're in such a, a situation here that people just don't, don't see the urgency of it uh, for the most part. And, and they need to. No, no, because, you know, um, we've been let out of our cage. So since the truckers convoy, I mean, we weren't locked down last winter after that. Right. So we just went through winter, not, and that's the only reason. I mean, because they didn't want another convoy with people, you know, willing to pay even a higher price. And, um, but it's coming. Yeah. It, it's, it's coming. So we've, we're in the eye of the hurricane, but we're not out of the hurricane. Yeah. So I think, and you know, it's summer and people are just so desperate to have some normalcy, myself included. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, but don't love, don't love complacency. We're gonna, we're gonna go camping next month, you know, and hopefully be able to forget about just what's happening. But the reality is, is, is we're not getting back to normal. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no normal to go back to, and, and we haven't even begun to understand the consequences of what's already happened. Like, I don't, I don't know if your viewers have watched the National Citizens Inquiry or even know what it was, but a group of citizens got together with the idea that the government is not going to look into COVID issues. They appointed four independent commissioners, like right down to rules, like there's separation. They can't influence the commissioner's report. <clears throat> just with public funding, like, and it was just citizens donating like 100 bucks each type thing. They marched them across eight cities, so Truro, Toronto, Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Red Deer, Vancouver, Quebec City, Ottawa, three days in each city, 24 days of hearing, all under oath, all led by volunteer lawyers, um, 75 experts, and we're talking the world-class ones, you know, your Malones and, and Ed Dowd and the whole crew, but citizens telling their stories. And, um, and David, there were people that were afraid to, that would back out of testifying even the day of because they're still in 2023 afraid of repercussions both employment and um and personal but <clears throat> you watch you just pick a day and watch it like started in the toronto hearings onwards we kind of got well no just any of the days and you can't be the same but there were days that where the whole courtroom was weeping and people online watching live were weeping and you watching in non-live you will weep because you can't not just the experiences canadians have had and you'll realize just you you'll start to realize some of the consequences of what we're facing like i didn't understand that we've got all these vaccine injured persons who are and like these are the ones where you're weeping when you're watching and just horrific injuries and yet the medical system can't acknowledge they exist because the vaccine's safe and effective. And so they're basically treated like lepers and they're like, the themes are all the same. Oh, you may have mental health problems. You're suffering from anxiety. Like 
and they're being ignored and just the tragedy it's just um it's heart-wrenching what we're doing and um so even just if there was nothing else coming you know like with the kids masking we're wired to learn our language from watching adults speak and each other speak we've actually like had significant iq drops that are irreversible like significant um in our young kids like we have harm they will never recover and um like just all the harm we've done like teenage suicides and all like it's just you can't even catalog it but you start watching the nci and you start to get a feel for just how much damage we've done it's yeah. it's frightening well as you're well aware i mean obviously that's our line of business is mental health and you know the sad reality of it is is that our business has been quite good over the past three years and that's alarming and the reason mm -hmm. why is because it's not about cents and dollars it's showing that there's something taking place in the marketplace that's increasing the demand for mental health supplements mm -hmm. and that's not good it's good that we have supplements available to, to help people get through it but the fact of the matter is is that society has been significantly significantly damaged yeah all right well you know we're at two hours and 20 minutes uh, um thank you very much sean for 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 coming on uh, I just want to just re re-encapsulate, you know, the plan of action, you know, go to nhppa.org, get the discussion paper as to what's going on with Health Canada, the various angles that they're coming at us from uh, to remove your rights uh, and access to natural health supplements, oftentimes life-saving supplements. And, um, and then, yeah, in the meantime as well, uh, as plan B, uh, be proactive and stock up on the supplements that you want to continue to have access to because we don't know what's going on over the next year or two or three here in relation to supplements but it's probably sooner than later um i mean covid showed just how fast uh, these types of things can be accelerated um and so just be you know be proactive that way and um yeah i just want to say thank you again sean for for coming on yeah go ahead sean subscribe so when you're at the nhppa.org website give us your email address like there's a subscribe even if you just scroll down the homepage it'll pop up at the bottom and that way we can alert you to campaigns and get you involved yep it's good to, to keep aware of what's going on keep abreast of the situation um yeah so thank you thank you very much sean uh, again for for yeah. taking the time to come on answering my questions giving more clarity um and to all the viewers as well and um you know may we uh may we fight the battle well yeah thanks david really appreciate what you're doing so thank you blessings to you